There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This episode is sponsored by San Francisco Ballet. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. This week on Conversations on Dance, we are joined by esteemed choreographer Trey McIntyre, whose second work for the San Francisco Ballet recently premiered in the company's Unbound Festival. Trey's rise to prominence as a choreographer began when Ben Stevenson, then director of the Houston Ballet, created the position of choreographic apprentice for him. He has gone on to choreograph works for the New York City Ballet, American Ballet Theater, Hubbard Street Dance Chicago, Stuttgart Ballet, and many others. In 2005, he founded his own dance company, the Trey McIntyre Project, which was an immense critical success and was lauded for its innovative business model. Trey has recently added photographer to his list of considerable talents with his work being published by the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the Boston Globe. To see and support Trey's photographic work, check out patreon.com slash Trey McIntyre. Thank you for joining us today, Trey. Uh, we really appreciate it. I know that um, you know this the Unbound Festival's a lot going on, and you have a new work premiering soon. So to take time out with us, uh, we're very lucky. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank <laughs> we you. Really appreciate it. So can you? We just want to start from the beginning and talk about your starts in dance. Can you tell us how you became interested in it and where you did most of your training? Well, let's see, I'm from Wichita, Kansas, and um, I started off as a little kid uh, working in music theater, working. <laughs> I, was in, I was in music theater, and like I was a little performer, but I was a little butterball kid, too. Like I was like, I'm 6'6 now, but I was a short, round child and like not super active. So um, I would go to dance auditions, and I couldn't do it. So my mom put me in ballet class to try to get my act together. And, um, you know, I didn't like it very much. Beginning ballet is so boring and square. Oh, and, um, I yeah, I, I really, <laughs> it, is hard. it wasn't a passion from the get go. I'll say that. 
but I was a really creative kid uh, right away, and I figured out quickly that there was this, like, somebody was making up these dances. Like, there was choreography in there somewhere, and so I started making up my own dances. That was my natch right away, um, you know, when I was, like, 11, really. Um, and I, I, I skipped class a lot. Like, I didn't, like, my mom would drop me off, and I'd go next door and and get a Slurpee or something. <laughs> but there was one day, <clears throat> I always tell this story about, this is how I started choreographing, um, I was in the parking lot showing some friends some steps I had made up, um, and my teacher was watching me through the window of the class that I was supposed to be in. And uh, she came outside. Yeah, I was busted. And she asked me what I was doing, and then when I told her, instead of yelling at me, she said, well, why don't you come inside and teach it to the rest of the class instead of doing it here in the parking lot? And um, I thought that sounded pretty good. So I, I that was really, like, I always thought of myself as a choreographer after that. Um, you know, she gave me lots of opportunities to do that, and I taught combinations in jazz class. And um, so I really always thought in that way um i went to high school at north carolina school of the arts um as a ballet major and there really wasn't a track for choreographers there mm-hmm. uh, there was for modern dancers um but i i knew that's what i wanted to do so i would just grab dancers when i could and choreograph and 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 make dance and the modern faculty was really supportive and just saw that and supported me um so when Houston Ballet Academy came to audition for their summer workshop, um, Houston did, and I believe they still do, they have a summer choreographic workshop where the students choreograph on other students. Uh, so the modern faculty recommended me for that. And so I went and did that, and it's kind of, you know, this real immersion. You make three pieces over the summer, and they're shown, and they're judged and juried. And, um, and so Ben Stevenson, who was the director at the time, took notice uh, that very first summer. And created lots of opportunities for me and really like I was a kid and he was giving me chances to choreograph on the company. So that, that track kind of led to, um, the graduation kind of valedictory performance for the school is very dramatic. They do like a, (laughs) they do like an award ceremony at the end. And so like they're presenting whatever, like the, then so like the student of the year award It's called the Michael Wasman award, um, named after a dancer who had been in the company and kind of exemplified what they were looking for in a student. So I I won the Michael Wasman award. It was great. (laughs) I was feeling really great. Um, but then Ben made an announcement at the show, um, saying that he was creating a position in the company for me of choreographic apprentice. And so he kind of set the track in that way and m- m- gave me the opportunity to dance in a company that I would not have had a chance to dance for, for uh, other reasons, but got to be there as a dancer, learning what that was like from the inside and then having the chance to continue choreographing on the company. What I'm, what I'm hearing here is like people were supporting you and giving you opportunities. And it's so important for choreographers because you can't just, dancers are busy. You can't just take someone and say, can we do this can we get in a studio you need someone to enable you and to nurture you and i think that's so great that so many people helped you along that path absolutely indispensable to me in that way and i think for sure um just that kind of time is such a rarity like dance is an expensive form like it takes a lot of people spending their time and and those opportunities are rare and i think i was quite lucky at the time i think those opportunities exist more now. Um, uh-huh, so I, I think there's just been a, a noticing a need for it. And so, and programs like this here at San Francisco Ballet, it's like encouraged so many premieres at one time is, right. um, it's incredible. And, and, and that part of it truly is, it does fulfill the mission of Unbound, which is to further the future of, of ballet. Did you realize at the time how unique your position was or were you just young and like, okay, I want to choreograph, here I go. Were you- um, no, I I did get it at the time oh. for sure, and I think, and the reason I say that is because I still didn't like dance, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, at the time, and so I really had to weigh out spending mm-hmm. that time. I mean, you know, that sounds very uh, spoiled to say at this point because it was such an incredible opportunity, but I mean, 
you know the commitment of being a dancer is a huge one and to do to also be like you know i was in the court of ballet at houston ballet so it was still the full-time commitment of a dancer and so i had to really weigh out and think like well this is an incredible opportunity and i'm gonna take right. it right that was one thing we wanted to talk to you about is how you balanced being a choreographer and being in the company and being a part of you know you still have all of your duties as a core member like you mentioned yeah. Uh, well, you know, that was, I guess, another great opportunity. They were very, um, very allowing with that mm-hmm. um, as opportunities came up. Because I think uh, I think I was maybe two years in the company and I did Diamond Project with the New York City Ballet. Wow. I was gone. I mean, gone How for... How old were you doing that? that 22. That's wow. nuts. Yeah. I, th- I think back, I think it's nuts because like, I think I would be terrified to do that now. And back then I wasn't. Uh-huh. I was just kind of like... So dirt, dirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, you know, that I went, remember it was during December, so I left during Nutcracker time, which is like all hands on deck at Nutcracker because people are dying off and (laughs) um, that kind of thing. Um, So, yeah, I mean, they really, they they helped me a lot. (laughs) Uh You know, like they they were really very, the the focus of the company was very much for me to be a choreographer. So I think that stayed the company's priority as well. That's awesome. Yeah. At what point did you decide that you needed to be solely focused on choreography? When did you move on from dancing as well that's it's an interesting segue in that way because i think um that relationship could have gone on for some time um but after after being in that position for six years i started to notice the ways that it was very comfortable Mm -hmm. for me um and i i don't it's hard i'm a very ambitious person so it's hard to say i wasn't trying as hard but there was some sort of like karmic part of it that felt like i was held back Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a year it's like Houston ballet does great financially. I think it's a really solvent company. Um, but there was a year, it was around 95. Um, the, there was just a, I'm trying to think what was happening financially in the, in the U S but it was just not a great hurricane, time. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's probably a hurricane in <laughs> yeah. Texas. Um, but they were going to have to uh, lay off several members of the company. Um, and so I went, I went and had a conversation with Ben and like, you know, it's a hard conversation because you don't want to seem ungrateful. But right. I, I just, I was like, maybe this is a really good time for me to transition, um, because it's it's yeah. not my decision to make at all. But it was like, you need dancers in the company, and I'm not really one of them. Um, and so that was, and it was a big risk because you know we we continued to have. Uh, I had a position with the company for many years, even past when Ben was there as mm-hmm. choreographic associate. But I didn't stay on, stay on in a paid position. I wanted to go just like jump out in the world and do my thing. Um, and that worked out really great. And I'm telling you, it's like a year later that my my work as a choreographer took off. And um, I, you know, I have a firm, firm belief just in seeing it play out and kind of what you put out into the world is kind of what comes back to you. And that was a moment where it paid off really clearly. You know, I, I, my instinct was right that I had become, um, complacent or something or stuck in a certain way. And by opening myself up to opportunity, it came right, right away. So what were those first couple of years like then when you stopped dancing and you got these big opportunities? Where were some of the first places you went to go other, went to work other than Houston Valley? Oh gosh, that's such a tough one. I need to have like my resume sitting in front of me. <laughs> I, I, I was having a conversation with a friend last night. Like, I don't know what year is what. <laughs> it's a blur. Like, I, right. honestly, I don't know. Like I, it wasn't very long after that, that I developed um, some resident choreographer relationships with different mm-hmm. companies. Like I had that with uh, Washington Ballet and Ballet Memphis and um, Oregon Ballet Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was nice i mean i the thing the thing that's tough about being a freelance choreographer is that you are 
you're always working with strangers, right? right? And there's only so far you can go by starting all over again with what your own ideas are uh, about dance. And so to begin to have those continuing relationships with specific companies, mm-hmm. um, it helped me. It helped my, helped my work develop right? because the conversation kept going instead of beginning again. Right. right. Well, this is a great way to uh, segue into talking about the Trey McIntyre project. So um, obviously that, you know, what you said, that's one of the difficulties of freelance life that you can't continue on with that relationship with these individuals necessarily um, unless you're going back frequently. So was that one of the uh, reasons that you decided to start your own company just to have that sort of consistency? It was the main reason Mm -hmm. really. Um, And, and the company, that's the main way I think the company paid off for me. Um, having some relationships that lasted the entirety of the company um, and developing in that way. Um, that was part of it. And part of it was um, my own ideas about just how a company was run and what that culture and environment were. Um, you know, and, and some of those were founded and some of those were a stark wake up call once I realized what it was like to actually be in, in the middle of it. Right. Um, but um and it was funny. It took some convincing. Um, you know, my, my two co-founders really had to convince me to do it in a certain way because I looked around and I, you know, I had never seen a really happy artistic director. You know, <laughs> it's it's a it's a really tough job yeah. and it's a lot of masters to serve and it's near impossible. Um, you know, building a dance audience is like it's next to impossible. Yeah. I mean, there's not there's not a cultural foundation in america you know you can't just there's just not an audience for dance you have to make it Mm -hmm. and not to mention it's an incredibly expensive um prospect right um so and but you know i i'd have to say it 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 was the toughest thing i've ever done um and one of the most rewarding things i've ever done i mean I'm, i'm a different person because of it and learned a tremendous amount and i think i also benefited as much as i possibly could from that continuing relationship with one group of dancers i mean when it was done that was the end of it and i was ready to work with strangers again and like have (laughs) the have the different inputs of Mm -hmm. of of new people right so what were some of the things that you aimed to do aim to create in the culture within the trey mcintyre project um uh, the the main one and i think this is the thing i learned the most about as opposed to maybe taught the most about Mm -hmm. was um an environment where where dancers are uh empowered in their own path and kind of driving their own ship and taking the responsibility and accountability um, for their path. And a, a more kind of holistic approach to new, new work in that, I mean, it's funny, like I, I see myself as a collaborator with dancers, but not in the way I think people assume about collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not looking to dancers for steps because all the steps are available. Every movement's available. There's no, there's no limit to it. So I don't, I don't need that resource. Um, but the collaboration is with the human being. And, um, like I don't walk into a studio and I have the piece sketched out and I know anything really. I know, well, I'm sorry, anything in terms of vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Um, I know everything in terms of content and what I want to get to. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I will work with that person in the room and, you know, I'll begin with a, a rough, form and then watch them and and not see necessarily like where they take it but what their personality does with it and who they are as a person and then what can i what can i draw out in that way and so one of the things i wanted to do in the company was enhance that process so um 
we would spend a lot of time just breaking open, okay, here's what I'm trying to get at with the piece. For example, um, this is a piece I'm working on right now with Parsons Dance Company. Mm -hmm. um, it's a piece I made in collaboration with Preservation Hall Jazz Band. It's called Mamezan, and it's about the funeral rituals of New Orleans. Um, and so the piece is really about facing one's own death and looking at that. And so, you know, it's one thing for me to go through that journey, create a piece that communicates that speak my perspective and then ask a dancer to interpret it. But I think there's a much deeper well to work with an artist to say, okay, let's, we would just spend day as part of our rehearsal. Let's just sit and talk about it and you share your story and you share your story and let's take 20 minutes and journal about it and see where else did you get with it. And, and then, um, you know, doing other, like learning other forms. Like I studied uh, a theater improv improvisation here in San Francisco. And so we'd spend days doing improv exercises and, and, working with the dancers to find their voice in, in new and different ways and developing tools that could help them in their, their own creative exploration. So, so the company was, that, that was a, a big aspect of it. That sounds like something that the dancers really take a lot away from and contributes to their careers afterwards. Like those improv, those sorts of things. It's like something you can use with work with any choreographer after. I hope so. I yeah. hope that's the case. I mean, um, you know, with Parsons, one of my dancers, Chanel De Silva from the mm -hmm. company set that work on the company. Um, and I've actually been working on a documentary that involved the making of that piece. And so I just like, I cobbled some clips together that were specifically about that piece and sent them to her so she could share them with the dancers at Parsons. And then they could <clears throat> see, this is what it lo really looks like in new Orleans. And then the thing that was so happy about, and this is not with my prompting, but then Chanel had them do a journaling exercise right after <laughs> and work Aww. with them. And she said they were crying and sharing together in a way that was new for that group. Um, as a company. So that was really, that was very satisfying to see something like that carry forward. Yeah, absolutely. So could we hear uh, a little bit about your creative process uh, here at San Francisco Ballet? Um, this is your second work you've done for them. And uh, the first was just last year. So obviously, um, you know, there's something you like that you would come back so soon. Oh, I love the <laughs> They're so wonderful. It's been such a happy experience mm -hmm. beginning to end. Like it's felt like a love affair, really. The piece, let's see. It began, um, the, I think the idea came first and it was, um, my, my father passed a few years ago and my, my sister was sending me photographs, just old photographs she was digging through and finding things. And she found this really spectacular photo of my grandfather. And, um, it was him in the 1920s in a football uniform, like when people basically wore nothing for football, football. but this looked up. <laughs> right. Um, and I, oh, I, I didn't know my grandfather. He, I was really young, um, when he died <clears throat> and I, but I, he's very tall. He was six three. I'm six six, and you know, for his time, six three was the six. Uh -huh. Six six <laughs> is the new six, six three. three. <laughs> uh, so, but I always somehow kind of imagined that he and I had some sort of connection and just different stories I'd heard about him. There was just some kind of identification that I thought yeah. maybe there was some secret to unlock. Um, additionally, the first day of rehearsal was the eclipse. And um, there was something significant about that yeah. because like, who, who knows what, but you know, the shifting of planets has an effect on us, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I conjured this fantasy that in this one day that as the sun and the moon were lining up with the earth, that it created this portal through space and time. And I would get this moment to interact with my grandfather and get to know who he is and, um, and get that to, to get to play that out. And so the piece for me was, of course, it's my fantasy of it and my projection of who he might be. Um, but who knows, you know, to, for myself just to open that space up and see what happens. And so, so I shaped a piece around that. It really is. It's literally this, this moment when the, when the sun and the moon line up, it's just this arena where that plays out for a brief moment and then, and then goes away. 
that's beautiful. It made me like a little teary. That's, <laughs> that's, that's so lovely. That's so great to hear that. And we look forward to then taking that information while we watch and okay, kind cool. of seeing what we can grasp from that. Um, so we wanted to also talk to you about what th- you say you like working with this company and you say that you like to use the dancers in this really unique way. So what is it about the dancers here that you feel like changes your work maybe about the energy within the company? Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of different things. I think one uh, begins with impeccable technique. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and so there's a real clarity in that. It's like it's like speaking with great diction, right. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you can hear what the dancers are saying, right? And so and the, and it gives a cleaner slate to to work from. Um, but then there is also this very present humanity throughout the company. Um, you know, I get a sense of the person always um, with a kind of. It, with a kind of humility that I think is rare for dancers dancing at such a high level. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, w- with a piece like this where there is a lot of emotional content, um, that, that these dancers would in a very open, generous way go to that place quite easily, uh, with themselves, um, is great. And I, I, and I, uh, there's also kind of like a, a not over, intellectualizing that happens i mean i think there's a real like gussiness and and instinct and trust that's happened in this process um that's been really refreshing like because you know it's hard to spin that fantasy in your head as a choreographer right especially if you're if you work like me where you're making it in the studio Mm -hmm. my brain's in another galaxy in that moment like i'm i'm not fully present and i think sometimes um I don't mean this to be critical of people, but it's a different way of working. Like mm-hmm. some, some dancers can be very grounded in this moment to the extent that they've got to break down the mechanics of every movement in that moment. Mm-hmm. And, and that's great. And that's something a dancer should ask, but I think it can pull as a choreographer can pull you out of the fantasy that you're trying to spin right. in the head because in your head, because you're talking about how an elbow works. Right. right. Um, and so the, there was almost none of that in the process. It was, right. it was a process of just diving into everything and, and seeing what happens. And so, I mean, I had three weeks. I think we finished it in the first week. I kind of oh, had to make. Wow. I think I kind of had to make up things to do. For the <laughs> um, let's run it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the last two oh, weeks. So great. I know I was kind of thinking I should have had a second ballet ready to go. So I kind of just <laughs> made something else. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Wow. So uh, let's talk about another one of your considerable talents: uh, your photography. Oh, right on. What's um, what's sort of interested you in um you know moving more into that arena was that something that you were always doing or were you just like this is a new way to express myself and i want to pursue that it's always been a uh not always it's been a part of my work really since i left houston ballet it was almost immediately like it was in the first year it was a transitional year when i wasn't doing a lot um and i was living in phoenix arizona uh, where there's nothing to do, no, no shade, Arizona, but it's, no, I'm with, going there. it's okay. <laughs> well, I picked it, I picked up a camera that summer and started shooting. Um, and I met this, uh, this older photographer guy who taught, taught classes there. And, um, he taught me how a camera worked, um, and, and in a very kind of clinical, like scientific way, I understood uh, a camera and I loved it. Like I loved the, the, all the all the metaphor that was built in for, into photography, and so that's kind of remained in the the background for a really long time. Um, I did it less before digital photography, just because it was so expensive, right. and um, and um, that just that scared me. I'm cheap, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think you know, with the advent of digital photography and being able to really work a lot more, that uh, 
slowly over time it evolved in this way but part of it was um in starting my company and when we were at we would do our early rehearsals at white oak plantation um in florida and um you know white oak is this was an incredible like place for dance companies to go and do residencies and be on this several thousand acre wild animal preserve in the middle of nowhere and and people were kind of running around naked (laughs) like it was just kind of like a real it it was just easy like there's nobody nobody around um and so so it it there was kind of a bohemian spirit to it and so I kind of I started picking up my camera a lot more that summer and doing projects with naked dancers like working in tandem with the natural environment and there was a there's a there's a part of it that was liberating for me in a certain way because I think part part of a uh, this is a difficult part of dance for me is um, tights because I think I think they're meant to be an approximation of nudity um, but they call attention to that that there might be something wrong with nudity. And that's a conflict I can't reconcile because on one hand we're celebrating it and on the other hand we're, we're covering it. Um, and I, and I don't think that's really called out and discussed so much. And so, um, within photography, within a controlled environment where it's just between photographer and the person who's, who's the subject of it, it can be safer and, and, more about the intimacy of what nudity is and it's you know it's not on a stage with 4000 people um there was just a different way of actually looking and examining okay what does that mean and and in making dance we're exploring the human body and what's so beautiful about it and what can what can be communicated with it um this was a different way of exploring it um not only in that aspect but also in the way work was created i mean speaking about collaboration totally different for me than choreography like i think i'm quite exacting with movement in a dance but in making a photograph i'm more of a journalist um you know i i don't like working with let's make this perfect pose and just capture that i'm like let's let's create a puzzle for you to figure out as a person and i'll it'll be my job to figure out when you're being your your most exquisite um so you know a lot of times like i did this project with athletes in idaho when i was living there Mm -hmm. um it would be just scaling a boulder right and there's this natural incredible geometry the whole way up that boulder and just getting to pick out those moments that's one thing i can talk about this part forever (laughs) um another part of it is um you know in idaho i worked with a lot of as i said athletes who would I mean, the, the notion of like being naked in a photograph had never even crossed their mind. Um, so the, the conversation about doing that is so interesting to me because I don't like, I, I worked with a lot of different people and I think pretty much everybody said, yeah, I think I would do that. Um, be, because of the conversation that went into it, I think a lot of people go, Oh no, I, I won't do that right. because, right. but then they're like, well, wait, why, why won't I no, do yeah. that? And, yeah. and I'm an athlete and I spend my whole life trying to make my body. body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what is my reservation with that? And so to see someone in that process and then the process of actually going into a shoot and like, Oh my God, this is, I'm going to actually do, I'm going to be out in nature and have my clothes off and have my picture taken. Like, that moment and then the moment of doing it and then seeing someone feel so empowered by it and and inhabiting themselves in a whole new way that they had never had before um and then to look at the photographs afterwards and say oh my god i'm beautiful like you know to and have this record of it in this moment of time um is somehow for me very liberating and to be the 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 conduit for that and the facilitator and um, in a way, the caregiver uh, for that is a it's a lovely and privileged position. And somehow I can't articulate it very well, but somehow it's been very transformative and, and I think quite healing for me as a person. 
So is your new ballet for Unbound going to have tights? <laughs> no. I don't think so. Let me wait. I'm going through. No, there's no tights. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the end part of our initial interview. But we want to welcome you to our lightning round that okay. we do oh, with all crap. of our guests. <laughs> no, it's not scary at all. We're okay. just going to ask you one question and you tell us the first thing that pops into your mind. Okay. So what is your favorite ballet? Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, I don't know the name we of it. We give you a few. We give you a few. You no, no, no. One. You got it. No, I have it. It's a Killian ballet. <laughs> uh-huh. And it's a woman in front of a curtain and she's wearing a dress and she's topless. It's funny. Maybe I was thinking. And the curtain oh, picks oh, oh. her up. It's, I, don't, I can't think of the name of it, but the, the reason, I guess the reason it popped into my head was it's when I was a kid and like took my first trip by myself to Europe and I went to um, a dance festival in Vienna and bought a front row, like center seat. And that was the first piece I saw. And it just, it blew my mind and it just opened me up to the world of what dance could be. Awesome. We're going to so. find the name of it and edit that right. Okay. In. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll call you and you can edit it. There you go. <laughs> What's the work you've created that you're most proud of? This one. This one. Really? Yeah. And but I think that's always the case uh-huh. though, because it's just, it's of this time and mm-hmm. I can relate to it the most. And as I look at, like I look at older pieces, I think, that was the best thing for me at that time. But like, I've learned so much since then and yeah. not just about craft, but about life. And sure. so that's good. Always moving forward and improving. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, dream collaborator as a photographer. Oh gosh. You mean as like a, as a subject? As a subject. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I know that person yet. It would be you guys. Well, because I just, I, I, I say it cause like, I don't, it's hard for me to project in the future in that way. Cause people are so surprising. Like every photographic interaction I've had is drastically different. Like people are always asking me like, what's this situation like versus this situation? Everyone is drastically different and it's, that's incredible for me. So uh, what, uh, what's your dream project as a choreographer? You can, you know, no budget, uh, anything you want. Hmm. the limit? Oh, you guys, these are really. This is not a lightning round. This is a mol- <laughs> this is a molasses round. These are like these are really like these are big questions. I like, I I don't know if I can answer that one because like I really I don't think forward in choreographic projects. I mean, yeah. ideally for me. If I'm driving to the studio, I'm even choosing music like right then uh-huh. because just the energy goes like the idea comes and goes and it's just I, I need to work from that moment. So oh, in the moment. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I'm really interested in in full length ballets. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only made one. I made Peter Pan a million years ago. Which I've seen like a thousand times oh, right because <laughs> all my buddies were in it. Right. Uh, um, Fade Lee and yes. e- Evelyn's my best friend. Did it a lot. Alex Peters and Amir. Yeah. They were the all the leads. Yeah. And I love them. I love the ballet. I right. thought it was so magical. Oh, thank you. I mean, that's a cheap word for me to use for Peter Pan, but oh, it was. It, 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 cut, it really, I'll yeah. It. Well, you know, that was, I mean, that was a while ago, and I, and I, you know, I, I loved it, and it went so well, and companies do it, and, you know, you'd think I'd make more full lengths, but, you know, I spent three years on Peter Pan before walking in the studio, and that's why I think it worked, because I, like, I, I knew, I knew, and yeah. again, it wasn't making steps. It was just, like, every bit of the narrative, I had, like, figured it out, mm-hmm. and so... There's a part of me that's a little bit like commitment phobic to dive into the next next right. thing and spend three years of my life on right. it. So, mm-hmm. so maybe that that's my answer is okay. enough. Ma- Big old full ma- magical full. I, what was the word you used? Magical. Magical. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Magical full length. Yeah. <laughs> with, with like no budget limits. So. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> we ex- we'll give it to you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It was so great talking Such with you. Such a pleasure you. having you. Great. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining us this week. We are back from San Francisco and recorded a mass of 26 episodes that are waiting to be published on your feed. We chatted with world-class choreographers about their careers and work, including Christopher Wielden, Stanton Welsh, and Edward Liang, ballet master Katita Waldo, as well as some of the remarkable world-class dancers of San Francisco Ballet like Sarah Van Patten, Anna Sophia Scheller, and Sophia and Silv. Subscribe now on iTunes to receive notifications of new episodes when they are published. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for some behind-the-scenes content and new episode alerts. If you like what you heard today, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. It really helps our podcast grow. Thank you for listening. See you next week on Conversations on Dance. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.